What's up, everybody? Um, what's up, friends? What's up, family? Um, kind of a personal uh, episode today. I don't know what the fucking subject line is going to be, but um, I've been kind of dealing with something um, on my own and um, with a small group of people. And um, because the news I have to share is um, related to someone you know, um, it's so weird, but, uh, <clears throat> I have to talk about it. And honestly, that's weird in and of itself. I mean, when this particular relationship started six years ago, um, the world was very different. My world was very different. Um, uh, everything was smaller, right? Everything was, um, everything was more personal. Um, everything was, um, I touched everything and, um, you know, so much has changed <clears throat> between then and now. Um, so absolutely so much has changed. Um, snowball came into my life. He was the product of, uh, kind of a divorce, I guess. Um, Sia and I had, um, three dogs. They were the cutest things ever. Cereal snowball. Uh, oh man. Cereal, Pantera, and Licky. Um, and, uh, I mean, how great are fucking dogs, you know? And um, Pantera was a rat terrier. He was, um, they were all about the same size. They were all about 15 pounds. And I had grown up with two golden retrievers. Um, big ass hairy dogs that shed everywhere. Like they were just like, <laughs> like just leaking oil. Um, cider was in my, when I was born, we, we, we had a dog named Cider and she, she was very special because she could hold, I think, um, three tennis balls in her mouth and it didn't matter how dirty they were. <laughs> and the Goldens just have this, you know, obviously they, I mean, they're like a baby Clydesdale, you know what I mean? Just furry as fuck, long hair, long, beautiful, like human hair almost. It's kind of weird actually now that I think about it. Um, and they're big, you know, Cider was big, I think 70 pounds. And, um, Cider would sleep with us on the couch, just laying in your belly on their back, you know, it's just, <clears throat> and then I remember how old I was when Cider passed away. I remember, remember kind of everything about that. Actually, weirdly, I was like in second grade, eight years old and, um, you know, Cider had gotten hit by a car, but, but that wasn't, um, that wasn't the end. She was still, she lived through that. But shortly after we, we had this, um, small kind of house and, um, lot in New Jersey. And it was on the back side of like our, our backyard had a fence, kind of like one of those wooden fences that they have in like the revolutionary war. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey. So like the revolutionary war and like George Washington was like a big deal. I don't know, just re there was all these like Revolutionary War reenactment things going on in New Jersey. I remember we did it once. I remember we went to the three pointed hats, fake rifles, cooking stew and like a 10 gallon cast iron pot over a fire hanging from three sticks. I don't know what, I don't know whose idea that was. <laughs> Super like uh, LARPing vibes. Um, but Cider got hit by a car because we had this backyard 
where it was open. There wasn't, it was like, it was a fence that was not really a fence because there was just a big, like, it, there was a, there was an opening in the fence. And, um, you know, we kind of lived at the end of this cul-de-sac. So there wasn't a lot of traffic on my street and everyone who lived on the street, I mean, there's only like 25 houses maybe. And, you know, the house I grew up in was built in like 1912. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, creaky floors, hard to sneak in at night. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, everyone knew each other on the street. Woodcliffe drive. They say you take your middle name and your street name and that's your porn name. Mine would have been, um, Anders Woodcliffe. (laughs) Um, but anyway, we had this fence and there was like, yeah, there was like an opening in it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a protective fence. I guess it was more like a design element, different world, man. And, um, I never lock my door anyway now. So, you know come at me, bro. <laughs> come and take it. <laughs> and, um, and it was, so, we, so it was this backyard that opened up into like a four acre, <clears throat> just like empty piece of land. Um, that was kind of hilly, like a meadow kind of, and that was all property of this like small, uh, religious college that I, that I grew up next to that my family had no association with. And, um, we, we would like go hang out back there. Like it was not our yard, but it was kind of our yard. And we would throw, we got an arrow bee. We would throw that thing around. Um, and we would take cider out there and throw tennis balls. This is before they had the like plastic tennis ball arm that like, I guess throws it better. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand that thing. Like, I guess, I guess it like helps it go farther. Um, That'd be sick if they put that into like baseball and you could see a pitcher with like a three foot pole on his arm. <laughs> the future, man. Um, and so Cider, um, I wasn't there when it happened, but I guess she ran across the street, saw a squirrel, and there was a car driving by that didn't um, see her. And she got hit by a car, but I mean, she was okay. Um, but a couple weeks later, my parents came home and they were like, um, you know, cider's not here anymore or something like that. And I was like, what? And I don't know how I dealt with that as a young person. I'm here on this, you know, fucking podcast, I guess. Um, to talk about how I'm dealing with that as an older person, um, as an adult, I guess. Um, but snow, um, cider, Anyway, yeah, she passed away, and it was just like, I don't know. I didn't understand, you know? And then um, and then we had another dog, Ramsey. My sister named him. Her. Named her after a model, I think, like a, like a fashion model. There was a, I, don't know, I don't know how Cider got her name. Maybe just because of her color. She was like a deeper red. Cider was a bit more golden. Um Anyway, so Sia and I had these three dogs, and, and I was used to having bigger dogs, you know, 60, 70 pounds, and, and Sia had these little dogs, like 15-pounders, you know? They could kind of all fit in the bed, you know? And Pantera was this, like, rat terrier that had, like, his his hair was like porcupine needles, um, and you'd kind of find it anywhere. Um, and, and Pantera loved to get in the bed and, like, burrow a hole anywhere, like, and would kind of, like, sleep in between your legs, which was... uh you know, not ideal for us, for me. Um, 
but so tiny didn't matter. And also he would like, he would like, I could swear his blood temperature was like 140 degrees. Cause like, I mean, he has fur, he's a dog and like we would be under the covers and you would just, you could almost like see the heat map of where he was as opposed to where the humans were. Um, but he was a sweetie pie. And then, um, Licky was, um, was a, they all had different looks like Pantera was like smooth and black with a long nose and like long ears and a, and a really kind of like not in a, in a, in a very thin tail that looked like a massive piece of squid ink spaghetti just floating around. Um, Licky was looked like Van Gogh's beard and had three legs, uh, one in the front, two in the back. And, um, he would just lick everything all the time. Like he was like, it was almost like I later learned that it's like a sign of anxiety. I mean, and of course dogs, when you get them from the pound, I mean, of course they have anxiety, you know, um, their whole life has been interrupted. Um, and, uh, and so Licky would just hop around and then lick his balls, I guess, or wherever his balls used to be. And, um, but he was always super happy and he was just, he, he literally looked like, um, you know, after you are done vacuuming and you take the stuff out of the vacuum, he just looked like dust, just like hair and dust and like kind of human skin, just you know, all just like working together in some type of glued, uh, fabric. And then there was cereal and cereal looked like a piece of cornflakes. Uh, she was like a doodle kind of, uh, Lhasa Apsa, like again, 15 pounds. So it was two boys and a girl and cereal, um, cereal had a, a fighting move that she would do with the two of the others. And basically she would like get up in their face and then just do a quick 180 and hit him with her ass. She would just flip around and just bang him with her ass. And it was like kind of acrobatic actually. Like it was almost like some MMA shit. Like she was using like the floor, <laughs> she was using gravity. Um, and you know, I mean, centrifugal force, like think about Licky here. He's got one leg up front. Like she could take Licky out like a Jenga tower, you know? And, um, God, I love those dogs so much. And, and we were together for three and a half years or so. I think maybe, I don't know, maybe 50. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, you know, when we, when we separated in November of 2016, I obviously had a few things missing in my life. One, uh, a wife, uh, two, my life that I knew and three, these three beautiful dogs. Um, you know, that was like, I was in my early thirties. So I had gone probably 15 years, uh, without like living with a dog. And, um, you know, it wasn't like a question or a thought or a consideration, but it was when we got divorced, it was like, I kind of woke up the next day and I was like, all right, like as soon as I get my own place, I'm, I'm going to get a dog. And, and I guess I like, I looked at like when we would travel, we could take these dogs with us like on the plane. And so I was like, oh, okay, like maybe under, and I looked at like, what's the maximum like weight limit to bring on a plane. Cause I knew like, I love traveling and I love like, um, you know, having a, having a friend there wherever you were going, you know, and, um, just made me happy, you know? And, um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go, as soon as I get my own place, I'm going to go get a dog and I'm going to get a smaller dog so that I can like hang with him everywhere, bring him on the plane, whatever. And, um, so after a couple months of sleeping on couches after the divorce, um, I found my own place 
And um, you maybe remember Bo from some of the videos and you know, he's been on the podcast, but uh, I think in like February or March, yeah, like late February, I found a place and it was in Laurel Canyon in LA, which is like the, the Neil Young kind of area, like real hippied out. Like, like it's in the canyons of, of like just above Hollywood, but it's like not fancy. Like the road I lived on was like a dirt road and like the house next to me was like a shack with no electricity. And it was all very like back in the day in like the early 1900s, the only way to get up in the canyon because roads couldn't be built up there and even houses couldn't really be built on hills. Um, there was like a trolley that would go up and it was like a hunting area. Like I guess you could go up there and hunt or something. I don't know. And there was like these little like shacky kind of cabins. Um, and then in the 70s, it became like Jim Morrison, uh, Neil Young, um, Janis Joplin, um, Joni Mitchell, um, and I'm forgetting one more. But um, everybody like lived in the canyon. I think Neil Young's studio was in the canyon. And, and you know that song by The Doors, Love Street? She lives on Love Street, lingers long on Love Street. She has a house and garden. You know, I would like to see what happens. Um... That's uh, the street right behind Laurel Canyon Boulevard where the restaurant is. And so that was like my neighborhood. And um, anyway, I found this house in the canyon and I called my friend Bo and I was like, Bo, like I found this house uh, on this street. Like, don't you live around here? And he was like, yeah, I live on that street. And I was like, wait, what? I rented a house on that street. And I was like, what number are you? And he was like 4812. And I was like, what? I'm 479 or something like that. And I was like, wait, wait come out of your house right now. And we just like walked and I was like, there you are. And he was like, there you are. And this was a house I lived in for four or five years through like the first part of COVID. And, you know, again, it was just this street that everyone thought was a one way. And, um, this is kind of where my life started to change. Um, and after being there for a minute, I think literally, I think of four days, I went to the pound on the first Saturday and, um, on my way to the pound, Look, at the end of the story here, like Snowball passed away, you know, um, it was from today, it was two weeks ago. I haven't really been able to like wrap my head around it. I haven't really wanted to talk about it. I've been kind of obviously crying a lot, missing him a lot. Sometimes I like say, like sometimes I'll even like want, I'll be at home and I'll be like, you know, last night I was like turning on the shower and like my shower takes a while to get hot and I literally turned the shower on and I like looked over to the bed as if to say all right buddy we're gonna take a warm shower now not that he wants to take a warm shower or would but you know just kind of like telling him what I'm doing you know you know in a lot of ways like with everything that's changed in my life in the last six years he's the one thing that hasn't and um we saw like a lot together but more than what we saw we like made a lot together and you know like i insisted on bringing him with me to the golf course and i don't know if you have been down with like whatever has been going on over here with me and random golf club for the last i guess ever since the podcast started um you know this is back like eric has fucking 500 Instagram followers and just I had like a private account and 
I don't know, like I was doing adventures in golf. I think I had done like one season or something. Um, but then the podcast started like a year later and, you know, random golf club became a thing shortly after that. And, um, man, it has been a lot of change in the last year and a change in like kind of, um, a dying sense, like a lot of people, uh, that were in my life have like kind of moved or moved on, um, from the company, from what we're doing. Uh, and it was kind of like a sense of growing up and like the idea that like snowball also left is just like, it's almost like, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason or for a purpose. And, you know, it's like that stupid Chinese farmer video that went absolutely viral, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know if it's good news or bad news. Um, I'll be honest, like, snowball and I like there was a lot of things I regret about like the way I took care of him especially once I moved to Austin because I just got so busy with work and um, you know I would be gone for long periods of time and I would like have someone go check on him and stuff and I would like bring him to the office, but he didn't really like, like it here. Like he was just kind of like anxious and like, I could tell like it was just a lot for him. And I stopped traveling with him at some point. He was like, not, you know, like it was just, I could tell that it was just anxiety producing, not, not like fun to be with me in the beginning. It was just like, yeah, dude, like run around the airport, like, you know, no leash taking shits and stuff and side houses and people's like buildings. Um, you know, and like meeting other dogs and, you know, grabbing a couple pets from a, from a person and just moving on and, you know, but he loved the golf course more than anything else. Like maybe even more than our house. He just loved that open space and, you know, he could stay close to me or he could get a little further away. And, you know, everybody was always like, what about rattlesnakes and coyotes? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, driving in your fucking car i don't know like that's dangerous too i mean what about drunk drivers like yeah i don't know i was just kind of like what what is it like i need to keep him on a leash so that like but he didn't do that like he didn't go into the woods and if there if i ever saw anything i'd be like yo come here pal <laughs> that thing over there not your friend <laughs> and obviously it wasn't a rattlesnake or a or a coyote that where he met his fate to like take him on to the next plane of existence, whatever that is. Um, it was just like an old age and kidney failure actually. But when I, when I like woke up on January 1st of this year, I said, you know, snowball, Hey buddy, I've been traveling a lot and you know, I've been, I've been kind of not present when I come home. I know that like I, I come home, basically make a fucking sparkling water and grapefruit and I just flip up on the laptop again. And I work for three or four hours and I just try and like grind it out. And Snowball would do this thing where he would sit on the couch with me and he would just literally like go from one side of the couch to the other over my lap. And so I had to like kind of, I think it was his way of hanging out with me in some weird way. Like he was a weird dog. You know what I mean? Like he had some weird tendencies. <laughs> like he didn't want to cuddle. 
Um, he would never, he wasn't a cuddler and, uh, he hated baths. Like if you gave him a bath, it was like you were pulling out his fingernails with a fucking like, you know, um, Sharpie or something like just didn't, didn't enjoy that. And, and it, he hated it so much to the point where, and I mean, he would like whine, he would whine as though I was like fucking strangling him or something. And I got to the point where I was like, I just put on my noise canceling headphones and I would just like listen to like Nora Jones and just give my little guy a bath. And it was like fucking 15 minutes. And I used like oatmeal soap. You know what I mean? And I was really careful to keep his eyes and his ears like clear of the water. And I would, uh, I would, I would have to get down really low. I would like have to bend over to get into the bathtub to do it. And every time after like this 15 minute bathing experience, that was like, is like basically torture for him. Um, I would get up and my back would just be like fucking killing me because I'd been bending over, basically tying my shoes for like 15 minutes, tying my shoes that don't want to be tied with a bunch of water. <laughs> and, then, and then I would just like totally. Uh, and then of course, as soon as the bath was over, I'd wrap him in a towel, like a fucking babe in a manger. And um, he was just the happiest thing. Like he would run around the house. It was like, it was like, it was like, he was like, where's the cat? Where's the gala? You know, where are the other dogs at? You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to hang out. So, but the funny thing about the bath is that, uh, so then, so then I started wearing my noise canceling headphones. And when I realized that those weren't even enough to drown out his like shrieks for help from, I guess the neighbors, I don't know, you know, I would then put in earplugs and then the noise canceling headphones. And that was enough to kind of get him out. And, you know, like, whatever, man, I don't know. It's probably like a garbage man. Like I was assume garbage men wear a lot of cologne. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's gotta be like, this is a fucking smelly job. You know what I mean? doesn't mean you don't have to do it. Um, and the worst was like, I tried to change his diet a couple times. Cause I was like, Hey man, I want to like get you on like a healthy ass diet. So like one time I was like giving him this like, um, f- fucking like I would like cooked chicken with like vegetables and like chicken stock or something like i literally like cooked him dinner <laughs> and um and uh he had diarrhea for like two weeks and i was like i don't know about this y'all like i i like think i googled like what is the best food for my you know 15 pound poodle bichon maltese um golf dog and it came back and i made whatever it said to make and i made it in bulk and then i would like put it in a tupperware like he ate Honestly, I was kind of looking at the food and I was like, God dang, man, like I'm over here eating like salt and vinegar potato chips and, uh, you know, like who's serving who here? <laughs> like not, not that he's there to serve me, but you know what I mean? Like who's like, I'm like, who's working for who? And like, you know, I would like give anything to cook him dinner right now. So I went to the pound and six years ago, almost to the day now. And, um, you know, on my way in, I was like, Hey, look, I'm not going to like pick a dog. I'm just going to take the first dog that makes eye contact with me. I'm not in here like shopping for a pair of shoes. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to leave it to the randomness of the universe. And, um, I'm just going to literally walk in there. And the first dog that makes eye contact with me is the one, you know, um, follow the white rabbit. Follow the white poodle Bichon Maltese. You know, that's what they say in the Matrix. 
Um, so I walk into the pound over there on um, fucking Franklin Avenue. And um, I literally walk in on a Saturday morning. I think it was like 10 a.m. And I, and I open the double glass doors. The bell rings. There's like 10 dogs like in the front right there. Just kind of like, I guess, mingling. I don't know. And just like this little white dog look like a puppy just like immediately wraps his head around his body looks at me and i was like wow that was fast <laughs> like i hadn't even entered the building yet and um here i had like made the decision um and so i go to the counter and i'm like hey um yeah i'm here to like uh adopt a dog and they were like cool what are you looking for and i was like i'm uh looking for him And I think it was like, it gets funnier because they were like, huh? I was like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and they were like, I'm sorry. I was like, well, yeah, I'm here to adopt a dog. And like, I think that that's the one, you know? And they were like, oh, uh, okay. I think normally people come in and they're like, I'm looking for a kind of like hypoallergenic, uh, mellow, um, you know, this age, uh, you know, whatever, like uh, this size paw. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just was like, I mean, look, lady, I laid out the criteria. He fits it. He looked at me. Okay. Like, just come on, like, let's get this done. And, um, she was like, oh, okay. Snowball. And I was like, snowball, fuck that name. We're going to change it in my head. I was like, we're changing his name. And, um, I was like, I can't have a dog named snowball. It's just too silly. <laughs> and, um, she was like, do you want to take him on a walk? And I was like, no. And she was like, huh. like she was just so confused as to like my, I'm sure like, you know, she was just like, what the fuck is like this guy? Like, is he, what is he going to do with this dog? You know what I mean, like it was like, it was probably like super like American psycho vibes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I'm in here for that dog. Like, like as though it was like, as though it was like a fucking like produce aisle, you know, or like, uh, or like I was buying a fan at Home Depot or something like just like there was even less consider. Like when you go to Home Depot to buy a fan, you got a lot of choices, right? You're like, do you want the $80 fan? Or do you want the fucking $14 fan? Um, but yeah, I guess I was like a little alarmingly decisive. And, um, and she was like, do you want to take him on a walk? And I was like, no, I'm good. And she was like, uh, I think you should take him on a walk. And I was like, okay whatever you want and um she like strapped him into a leash or whatever and i was like hey buddy <laughs> and um he was just down you know we went on a walk we went up the block walked back and i was like i got back and i was like yeah i mean he's the guy you know and uh, we went through the paperwork and then the other funny thing is um, we went through all the paperwork and then I signed the check. I think it was like 300 bucks, you know, to like cover the adoption fees or whatever. And uh, she was like on my way out, we were putting him in a crate, I guess. And on the way out, she goes, um, it's so nice of you to adopt an older dog. And I was like, uh, what does that even mean? Like, he's like a puppy. He's like two, right? And she was like, no, he's 10. <laughs> and I was like, 
Uh, sorry, what? Like he's a he's not ten. He's a puppy. Like there's no way he's ten. He's like jumping around. He's tiny, and he's fucking cute, right? He's not a he's not an old dog. She was like, no, we believe he's ten. And I was like, we believe he's ten. And then I looked at the document they gave me, which has like you know his history, which was um you know missing a lot. And on it, it said uh, his birthday was um, in, I guess, whatever, 20, oh, 2007. And it was January 1st, 2007. And I was like, I don't, I don't like know that I buy that his birthday is January 1st. Like, it's just too easy. Like, if it was the second, I wouldn't really have questioned it. But like, because it was 1107, I was like, that's not, this is, he's a puppy in my head. Um, and uh, and then it also said on the paperwork, it said, you know, reason for uh, like, why was he at the adoption place, you know? And uh, it said landlord surrender. And I don't know what that meant. And I asked her and she was like, I don't, we don't know. And I mean, I think on some level, it it's probably like he, he like, in my head, there were two stories. I'll go over the stories later because they because they kind of like I was extracted these stories from his like behavior, and um, so I got him home, and I had this like photo of like me and him in the car coming back to the house, and on the front of his crate said "Snowball" in this like you know like high school doodle writing "Snowball," and it was on green masking tape in black sharpie. And it was like colored in and some, some letters were colored in, some were hollow, um, really weird font. Um, not, not like attractive really. Like it was anyway. And then the crate was really disgusting too. And, uh, we got back to my house and I was like, all right, pal, <laughs> this is it. This is what I got for you. You know? Um, and, uh, and the next thing is like, when C and I had these three dogs, um, I can't remember some, oh, Licky would go crazy when a car would drive by. And I mean, a lot of cars drove by on that particular street we lived on. And I was like, dude, this is fucking crazy. There's, there's gotta be a way to like help this dog not bark. And I don't mean by like putting like a muzzle on it or removing its voice box. I mean, like there's an emotional way to chill them out. Right. And so Sia loved reality television. So she, um, and she was really into Caesar Milan. Who isn't? Uh, I mean, that guy's such a G. And I think she tried to like get in touch with Caesar Milan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that was. I mean, I was like, okay. Like, I mean, I think I think there's like a lot of people that could do this. Um, I don't, anyway, um, we found this guy named Brian. And if you live in LA, and you need to meet Brian, his 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 like his um his business name is the Way of the Dog. And Brian's like six three. He kind of looks like uh like a like a like a Tom Selleck, but like with white hair and like a little bit like taller and like kind of bigger. And um and Brian um was deaf. He had like a hearing aid and he could read lips. Um, but he didn't he could he didn't have like a speech impediment though. So like you couldn't tell he was deaf. Um, until he told you. And so he came over to that house when, and looked at our three dogs and you know, whatever he gave us like kind of like an amazing diagnosis. He was like, dude, uh, which he's like, which dog is the leader of the pack? And C and I guessed 
like Pantera. And he was like, wrong. It's cereal. Cereal is the dominant dog in this group. And we were like, what? I don't understand that. And like, it became, as soon as he started pointing out things in her behavior, it became clear that like, she actually was like the lead dog. And she was actually the youngest of the, two, of the three. Um, and she wasn't aggressive. But one of the things that happened was, is so like, so like, uh, you know, Brian was like, all right, look, I'll show you. So do you see where she's laying right now? She's laying in the middle of like a concourse of walking paths, like front door to bathroom, kitchen to living room. There was like an X and like she was laying in the middle of the X. And he was like, now imagine this. Imagine you're in a military uh, hallway. Who moves out of whose way? The private or the general? And we were like, obviously the private moves out of the way of the general. And he's like, right. Okay, now watch this. And so he walked from the living room to the kitchen. Cereal's lying right directly in the walkway and he walks in a way where he's like kind of shuffling his feet very slowly and he um he kind of gets to her and she's not moving but she's looking at him and he kind of starts nudging her out of his way and she started growling and it was the first time i'd ever seen her growl and i was like blown away and i think this is like this is where we get to with dogs right uh, is that they're so much like us they operate on the same frequency of like intelligence and communication but they don't have language uh, but they do have ways that they can communicate and i think part of what's really interesting about dogs is that for those of us that live in this world all of us obviously if you're listening to a podcast you have some type of digital device you have a connection to the internet i mean all of us have that but like you know, as as we as human animals, right, as we transcend into this world of the future where we're sort of engaged more in this small glass product inside of our hands, our pockets, plugged into the wall, connected to the Internet, connected to the world, connected to billions of people and, and billions of pieces of information and stories and, you know, requests and offers and, you know, things that you can buy and like, you know, places you can go and like you know, things, things you can learn and like things you should believe in and things you shouldn't believe in. Like, it's just like this insane dogs don't give a shit. None of it. They don't want any of it. All they want is the most primal, primary, basic, like kind of like thing, which is just to be and just to be around. And, and like, you know, the, the dog in your life is a constant reminder of that. It's like a totem to who you were. And so a dog isn't like, you know, like a thing to walk or a thing to feed or like, a, you know, uh, it's not even really a friend at the end of the day. It's a lesson in like, dude, you used to be something else. And I'm talking uh, centuries ago, right? Like we used to, walk around with no shoes and like kill things and pull things out of the ground and eat them. And then we used to sleep in a fucking cave or like in a field and like wake up when the sun came up and we'd go to sleep when the sun went down. And like we would remember what it was like to not be able to make a fire because the wood was wet. <laughs> I mean, like here we we're not that far away from this like primal 
Like we've been that way for, I don't know, I don't know the history of the world, but like a long fucking time, way longer than we've been in what we've been in now. And so all of this stuff that's happening now is like super unnatural. And I'm not like, I'm not saying like, turn your phone off, get an electromagnetic blanket and like, you know, wrap your phone in like a lead bag when you go to sleep. Like I'm not, I look at my phone as soon as I get up, I look at it before I go to bed. Like I am literally a walking antenna. Okay. I'm always on my phone. I'm always like emailing, slacking, looking at shit, whatever. Like, and, uh, you know, some people are like, Oh, social media is bad. I'm like, no, no, social media is nothing compared to the whole enchilada. Like there are so many bad things (laughs) that it's like, Honestly, I I have this like weird like nihilistic slash like uh, you know positive view of the world where I'm like honestly like the shit is so bad it's amazing that we're still held together like it's amazing that the planet is still spinning around the sun and like that it's not just like a cloud of blackness raining asteroids on us like we think like you know it's funny because like I'm like I'm like into like supporting things that help us stop global warming but like it's not like there are so many people in the world. It's not just like a problem that you can be like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to like get an electric car. You could argue the electric cars are still bad, right? Like, okay, I'm only going to fly when I have to. Uh, okay. Like, you know, it's just like, not only that, but like you go back to like the ice age or the asteroid where the dinosaurs got killed. Like, dude, there are so many like natural quote unquote events that are like insanely prohibitive to like life on earth. Um, and the idea that we're even here is like all of our like bodies are built out of this like cosmic dust that happened through like a black hole basically exploding onto itself like some billions of years ago. So it's like dogs di- are like a dinosaur for us. Like dogs are a fucking portal into who we used to be. And like that just like I look at you, my guy, and like I see myself and I, and I might not believe, I don't know about reincarnation. I'm not, I'm not talking about like past lives. Like, yeah, I believe I was a fisherman in a past life, but like, I also have a, I also think it's like kind of funny that like, we're all like, what's your sign? I'm like, who fucking, how is it possible? You know what I mean? Like, and dogs just are this, like, they are a mirror into the past of like, of like how we used to live. And, you know, it's proven that like, People are happier when they're outside. They're happier when they're looking at organic objects that are rounded and and they can see far distances. Like buildings ain't it. You know what I mean? People are happier when they're not on their phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like the sun is it. Like people like sleep better and have more mental health when they like watch the sunset and the sunrise. Like it's not good to like stay up super late and wake up early. Yeah, you're a night owl. Maybe no no doubt about it in my head are we all better if we just like live on a in a fucking tent village you know um like i'm not i'm not an anarchist (laughs) I'm i'm sorry i'm on a tangent but this is like my real feeling about dogs like they they are a window into the past it's one of the things i love about golf is like golf is an ancient game man like you might think golf started in scotland wrong you might think golf started in denmark wrong golf kind of started in china like thousands of years ago it was called chaiwan and they played it in like a little gravel field and it was like kind of a version of golf like the stick was there the ball was there it was on gravel and it was in like a square area and there was a target it wasn't like field hockey as much 
And then like a thousand years later or so, it moves to Denmark and it becomes a game played on ice, which again is like a little bit more like field hockey. But again, there's a stick with a small club head and there's a puck like a ball. It's played on ice. And what Denmark did is they made a hole in the ice. And so that was like very similar to what was going to become modern golf. Modern golf, by the way, invented 400 something years ago, maybe 500. I don't have the dates in my head, but then St. Andrews, like they just like basically these two farmers were like, hey, bro. I'll bet I can get this fucking stone over into that rabbit scrape faster than you. And the other guy was like, fuck you will, mate. <laughs> and like, they just used their canes because they're shepherds and they just turned the cane around and knocked it into uh, the fucking hole. And like, the game was all about like, uh, you know, can I, who, who can do it better than you can? You know, it wasn't like, here's what par is. And da 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 da. It was just like, dude. It took you fucking 27 shots. It took me 25. I win. Okay. Equal playing field. We're playing the same game. Um, and I think that's why Snowball loved golf so much is because that was what brought him back. Right. Like, I think he loved the house. It was like a den for him, but like he really liked the golf course romping around, running around. Okay. So back to Brian. Um, so Brian, um, I'm going to make, I'm going to need to make this a two parter. Um, Back to Brian. Brian um, <laughs> Brian comes over to this house now. I'm like, hey, Brian, I'm uh, single now, and I got a dog, so I could use your help because uh, this dog growls at me like I'm an enemy when I get near his food while he's eating. And he's like, okay, cool, I'll come over. So he comes over, and he's like, that's called resource guarding. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I can relate. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> he goes... He goes, the way to solve this is uh, take his bowl away and feed him from the palm of your hand. And I was like, cool, sounds easy enough. Is he going to bite me? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> you get the feeling like Brian's been bit by like like all the dogs. And it's just, but you also get the feeling like he just knows that that's just part of the drill, you know? God, I miss Brian. I, I When the night I got home from uh, the vet, when, when Snowball was clearly not going to make it out of this, kidney failure um i really wanted to call brian i should see if i have his number that'd be fun to call him on the podcast guys i just a part of me like really enjoys this podcast because this reminds me of the way the pod used to be 300 episodes ago and you know um all right so let's keep going so 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 resource guarding so i so i'm so I like brian leaves and uh i like and and brian like does a couple things where he's like yeah this dog's interesting <laughs> and i was like what do you mean and he's like uh, you'll see. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And like snowball literally had his best behavior on for like four days. And then he became himself, which was not like overall different, but he just, he, it was his show. You know what I mean? And like, I was just kind of living in his world. And, you know, I think I tried to like implement Brian's, um, you know, instructions for like a year. And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not, I'm not like this OCD or anal or controlling. And like, I just think he's fine. We're fine. And I got the food thing figured out. And then I also, after I got the food thing figured out, which I'll go back to in a second, I called Brian and I said, Brian, I want to be able to walk him without a leash. Cause like we go play golf. I don't want to have him on a leash. And like, I don't want him to run away. And he was like, cool. It's real easy. Go on a walk. And my street was perfect. Cause like nobody drove down my street. And he was like, go on a walk. And without a leash. And as soon as he gets out of your eyesight, hide. And hide good. Find a good fucking hiding place and commit. 
stay there, however long it takes, 10 minutes, an hour. So we go for this walk and of course, Snowball kind of gets out of my eyesight, kind of distracted and he goes and like, you know, he's just, he's smelling shit. You know what I mean? Like again, going back to that present moment, primal shit, like he's just out there smelling the world, you know, like what is this? <laughs> and, um, God, I love smelling things, you know? How great is it to smell fresh cut grass or mud or water or rain or the beach, the ocean, a flower, a dog's disgusting smell before you give him a bath? And uh, so Snowball started smelling stuff, and I was like, all right, time to hide. So I went, uh, like, tiptoed down the street, made sure he didn't see me, and I, like, laid down under a car. Like, like if someone had like come across me <laughs> laying there, I might've gotten shot if I was in Texas. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is this person doing laying down under a car? And, um, honestly, like I could see him the whole time and he realized that I was not there and he ran the other direction away from where we had come. And then I saw him run back. He ran back to the house and he like went to the door and he waited there for a minute and then he ran back up the street and like just trotting around, like panicked. And he finally finds me and just like, you could hear him like whimpering, licking my face. Um, and I just was like, you know, I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen next. So I called Brian and I was like, here's what happened. He's like, perfect. You'll never need a leash again. And I was like, <laughs> my guy, <laughs> I don't believe you. And basically the next day I went out and I, we went, we walked out of the house and like legit, he didn't get five feet away from me. And, um, when he would go into the bushes to like pee or go to the bathroom or smell things, like he would maintain like every 10 seconds, he would look up and see if I was there. And sometimes I would just start walking away and then he'd be like, cool, time to go. Uh, see you. I'll be there in two seconds. And it just developed like a real like relationship between us. And, and you know, what's kind of interesting is you back up from that and you think, we don't know what we've got until it's gone. You know, we, we, we don't really value things until we have to experience the lack of the thing. And, you know, in this relationship with Snowball, like, I'd like to say I knew how valuable he was to me. I did. But I don't think I really knew how much he meant to me. Maybe. So Brian's like, yeah, the resource guarding. And he's like, yo, um, you're, so I, so I give, I pull the food out, I put it in my hand. Snowball is like not interested. doesn't even come near me. This is like a weekend to, you know, me and Snowball, like odd couple. And, um, you know, a day goes by, I call Brian. I'm like, yo, he hasn't eaten. Brian's like, don't worry about it. Dogs are grazers. He'll eat when he's hungry, you know? <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And, um, Brian, like, call, he like, I guess we were texting, not calling, but, um, and he, or maybe he had like a speech to text. I don't know. But um, two days go by. And I'm like, Brian still hasn't eaten. He's like, stick with it, dude. And on the third day, Snowball hasn't eaten, right? In like two and a half days. And I go like, I'm like every now hour or two, I grab a thing of food and I'm just like, here you go. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, I got some food for you. Snowball. And this is a point where I'd, I hadn't yet given up on changing his name, but I obviously did at some point. I think I tried to call him Leo for a minute and he like didn't, he like just didn't look at me. So I was like, all right, this is gonna be more trouble than it's worth. Snowball. And he would just come right over. And, um, 
And finally, he gra- he walked over to me and like literally like crawled up to me, grabbed one piece of kibble, and then trotted off to the other room and put it on the ground. Then he came back in, grabbed another piece of kibble, went back to the other room, put it on the ground. And he did that with three or four pieces of kibble, but didn't eat them. And I mean, like, at this point, clearly you're realizing that, like, I'm, like Brian said, it's an interesting dog, right? Like, there's some, like, I've never seen anything like this. It's a trust issue, right? Like, it's like, it's like he's unwilling to submit to, like, um, me being his provider, right? Um, and me being his, like, trusted friend. And ultimately, like, a healthy dog relationship, right? Like, you... The, the beautiful thing about a dog is that it's super primal, but we don't live in that world. So you can't just have like a primal dog who's going up and eating other dogs or like, you know, like running through the freeway to like get to a squirrel. Like the world is not safe for that primal instinct. So you have to have a dog that is trained enough to be able to like succeed in this world in terms of like being safe and happy but also um, have a dialogue with you as the human, the caretaker that, you know, um, that you are together in this journey. And so, um, yeah, I mean, finally, like, I don't know, like maybe a day later, Snowball broke and he was just like slobbering all over my palm and it like tickled and he would just like eat the shit out of the food and I would be like, all right, go get another handful. And I would get the other handful and he'd like, <laughs> he'd like try to like eat my fingers. And I was like, that's not food, my my friend. Um, but the, the real thing about Snowball is, you know, I'm not, I'm not really here to talk about his passing. I'm here to talk about like his life. And the thing that really occurred to me about what Snowball did that I, that I couldn't do. Snowball was like very involved in the beginnings of Random Golf Club. I was like, I had this membership at this club in LA that uh, Sia had like paid for and like helped me join or whatever. And it was great. Like the golf course was great. The people were nice. Like, they didn't have tea times. It was super flexible and the grass was money and the, you know, it was great. Um, but I couldn't bring snowball, which just like kind of blew me away. And after going to Scotland and seeing that dogs were on every golf course, including like the, the, the old course and all the nicest golf courses, dogs were just allowed. And I was not into the idea that I had to leave snowball behind to go play golf. And I said, like, let, let snowball come play. Let him play, man. Let him play. Free bird. <laughs> and they were like, no. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this, dude. Like, I'm out. I just want to go play in a club where anyone can play. Anyone can be a member. We can play anywhere. Um, we come from different mindsets, different parts of the world, different ways of speaking, thinking, talking, uh, listening, and, you know, different stories that make up like the true, like, mosaic of a life and a person and a world and snowball was a part of that and and for him to like be disallowed from a thing that i loved so much made me not love it as much uh and they had this like concept that i couldn't have a dog on the golf course he was gonna shit on the greens and i was like what dude you're talking about like a snickers bar of poop like you got people like literally ripping up divots and like scraping their spikes on the green and you've got people walking during frost delays creating footprints for a year like he is not the problem and also i can pick up his shit and also it's organic it's fertilizer and i was just like this is crazy man so i basically like quit my membership and i was like man i really want to make a club where people can just go like hang and not be like fussed with like the traditions of golf that don't suit the current needs of the game and the people that play it. I mean, we, we need, 
you know, in some sense for me, golf was just like, you know, a blank canvas, a, a book with no words. But what you do on the golf course is the words. And I just wanted to make the most interesting book I could. And having Snowball there and having someone I'd never met there who was like, also down with the game in the same way I was as far as like using it as a tool for like learning. That was what I wanted to do. And so, you know, from there, Snowball and I went out and we just played all the courses. And I had this kind of thing in my head. I was like, yeah, dogs are fucking people too, dude. We we go play golf together. And in Scotland, they do it all the time. Like it, at the old course, just dogs are everywhere. Bicycles are on the course. Like this whole precious idea that the course is some type of, uh, you know, like, the, the course is an organic being, you know, just like we are. And as gentle as we are as we are with ourselves or not gentle, right? Like the course is the same. You know what I mean? Like respect the course. Don't drive on the greens and shit. But like also just like just go live your life on that golf course. And for me, living my life on the golf course meant doing it in a way where I could spend time with my guy, you know? And just like he was the happiest on a golf course Snowball was. He just loved like trotting around and smelling things and catching up with the group and like saying hi. He'd go say hi to other groups and they'd be so happy. Um, and they'd like, they would like, oh, is that your dog? That's, I'm going to bring my dog to the golf course. And I think on some level, like this idea of sharing my life on Instagram at that time, you know, five years ago was like new. And I think on some level, like Snowball changed, I think, the way people thought of dogs on a golf course. And I know for a fact more, more people bring their dogs to a golf course because of him. And he set like an example. And, um, you know, he maybe had his own little random, random, random bark club, you know. And um, so this idea, I remember Christian Hafer was like, dude, you should make a logo with like Snowball and like a club through his mouth or like wearing an RCC visor. And I was like, that's a great idea. And like, I obviously love that. And I love that Snowball's an icon. And I love that when we meet, you say, how is Snowball? You, we haven't met, you haven't even met Snowball, but you ask about him. Because we just love dogs. And golf is the perfect game for a dog. He was the first member, really, of Random Golf Club in a lot of ways. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I just wanted to share all this with you from a personal level. I thought this was the most personal way to do it. And um, I, I want to thank you for uh, caring about him and, you know, maybe the dog in your life and or the dog you're going to get um, and tell you a little about his story and how he and I met and, and what he and I did together. And it's honestly... I'm talking for an hour. Like, I, it's like I barely scratched the surface. Um Maybe I'll come back and talk about Snowball again. I'd love to. Um, no, I'm not going to get another dog. Uh, at some point, I'm sure, maybe. But it's not even like close to my mind, you know. Like, can't even imagine. Just take your dog to play golf, please. That's all I ask. All right. I don't know what the dog version of see you in the showers is, but I'll see you there.